Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello, everybody. This is Russ, K5TUX, and you are listening to episode number 133 at long last of Linux in the Ham Shack. We are back. Indeed, we are. And we have the usual, or the the sort of latter-day usual cast of characters. Myself, we have Pete, V-E-2-X-P-L, up in Canada. How's Pete? Yep, still up here. It's getting cold. Fall is around the corner. No, actually, fall's here. It's getting cold. The leaves are turning colors. They're falling off the trees. Doing what they're supposed to do, I guess, this time of year. Yeah, it's getting cold down here as well. Although it was beautiful today, so yeah, it was nice. Well, actually, it rained here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So we also have Cheryl, who is um, here as well. Hi. Howdy. Howdy. The difference between the A, A, and the a. howdy. <laughs> <laughs> howdy is a Midwest term, I think. Midwest, South, Texas. Yeah, I was going to say, or maybe I just grabbed that from Richard somewhere. <sighs> yeah, maybe. Don't grab anything of Richard's. You don't know what you're going to you know, wind up with for the rest of your life. Right, exactly. All right, so we are back. It's been almost, no, I think it's been more than three months. It's been a long time. Since we did an episode. I don't remember exactly when. Maybe that was something I probably should have looked up before we started doing the show. But anyway, we're back. It's October 6th, 2014. Paste that in. <laughs> yeah. No, Mr. My, Black. My, my whole point in this was July to... July 8th was July the last 8th. episode. Okay, yes. Long time ago. July 8th? That's not too bad. Uh, September, October... Well, August, September, October. Oh, yeah. There's another month in there, isn't there? Uh, yeah. So it has been just about exactly three months. How about that? So anyway, we should probably jump in because we have a sort of new revised format. We're going to shorten the show a bit. We're going to try and keep it to between 30 and 45 minutes. So we're not doing this hour and a half stuff anymore. Once it was edited, it was only about 45 minutes anyway. So people won't even notice. Oh, no, it wasn't. Apparently you didn't listen to the show. (laughs) Sure I did. I just listened and fast forward. Oh, I see. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's it. Gotcha. (laughs) And fast forward, it was 45 minutes. Yes. There you go. Typically. So anyway, the way this is going to work now is we're going to do a few segments up front. We're going to do a ham radio segment, a Linux segment, and then a Linux in the ham shack segment to combine both of those things in useful ways. That's crazy. I know. That's crazy talk, Russ. I I know. Like defined segments and professionalism and a shorter show. Did you fall on your head over the summer? What's going on? I think I might have. You never know. Excellent. Cool. Cheryl dropped you. (laughs) Then we're only going to do one bit of music for each episode, not two, to kind of tighten things up even further. Then we'll do our feedback, social media roundup, outro, and uh, get the hell out of here and come back in a couple weeks and do it all again. Yeah, well, next week's a holiday. 
Yeah, I was looking at the notes before thinking, hey, there's no there's no show next week. Oh, yeah, it's the holiday. Then Russ is like, well, no, we only do the show every two weeks, remember, you idiot. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, slight editorialization there because I didn't call oh, him wow. an idiot. Yeah. You didn't call me an idiot. No, I did not call you an idiot. I'll, I'll leave that up to you. That, yeah, left that there for form, for dramatic effect. <laughs> I am the heir. Anyways. All right. So who? anyone want to tackle this first story? I'll go because it's from Canada, eh? All right. Canada guy will read Canada's story. <laughs> Canada guy. That's my new name. <laughs> Uh, Ham Radio saves the day in the Yukon, Canada. For those of you who don't know, Yukon is a territory in northern Canada, uh, much colder than it is here typically, a few uh, meridians up. Um, And I was just very excited to read this because uh, I've always wanted to live in the Yukon, to tell you the truth. I moved to a little, little side note, as I'm really, for those of you who don't know, famous for, uh, when I moved to the mountains in Alberta, I actually wanted to go to the Yukon because the mountains of Alberta just weren't north enough for me. Although awesome and beautiful, I always wanted to live in the Yukon. But anyways, on September 21st, 2014, Terry VY1MAP, I love the uh, I love the call sign, uh, wanted Ray. <laughs> that could won't go many ways. <laughs> wanted Ray VY1RF, another very cool call sign. I uh, wanted to make a call... Uh, to, he wanted, okay, let me start over. On September 21st, Terry wanted Ray to make a phone call for him as he was not in cell phone range. The situation was that Terry is a member of the local search and rescue team and they were on an active search for a missing teenager. The command center they had set up was approximately 35 kilometers, about well, maybe 27, 28 miles or so, north of Whitehorse, uh, Yukon. Whitehorse, one of the major cities in Yukon, at a place called Lake La Berge. Or, or a LaBerge for uh, you Yanks. The satellite phone that they uh, were to use was not functioning, so they had no way to call for assistance, which is odd. Usually satellite phones work quite well from anywhere on the globe. I guess they must have had technical difficulties with the said satellite phone. So uh, anyways, they couldn't call for assistance, couldn't get additional resources. They couldn't send status reports. And uh, being in mountainous terrain, um, RF-based radios uh, only have uh, limited range due to mountains being in the way. So um, you can be very close to someone, but just having a big mountain in front of you. It'll prevent you from uh, communicating uh, by two-way radio sometimes. But, fear not, Terry being a ham, went out to his vehicle and made contact uh, with Whitehorse via two-way amateur, via two-meter amateur radio with VY1RF and VY1RM, Ron McFadden. They were able, they were able to pass important traffic. Uh, traffic in ham radio lingo is uh, information or a message. They were able to pass important traffic to and from the command center. And the missing young man was found and all ended well. So for those of you who uh, want to read the full story, you could read, uh, read that on the Southgate uh, Amateur Radio News uh, feed. And uh, the link will be in the show notes. So uh, a good day for ham radio in Yukon, Canada, not that long ago, just this past September. And it can be pretty scary being stuck in the mountains. First of all, you're at altitude, uh, so the weather can change in a heartbeat. And being in the Yukon at this time of year, it's it's already cold, so you don't want to be stuck out there. There's been a lot of stories I've seen lately about how ham radio has come to the rescue, and we've sort of beat that nail many times with our hammer of podcasting about the efficacy of 
emergency communications and ham radio, and it's just one little teeny facet of the hobby, but it's a very important one. So. Yeah, and, it, and it's okay to beat the uh, beat the dead horse on this one, to flog the dead horse, because it's it's the, this the kind of story that brings amateur radio to the forefront and and shows the importance of it, and and it has repercussions on quote unquote normal people who don't have ham radio. So I'm sure this young man who may or may not have been a ham, they don't mention, most likely was not. Because if he was a ham, he probably would have had his, his ham radio with him out in the wilderness being lost. But uh, I'm sure this young man was uh, very happy to hear that a uh, two-way radio saved his life, potentially. I imagine so. I imagine he was just happy to see somebody after the... Yeah, <laughs> well, first of all, for sure. <laughs> so, anyways. Yeah, yep. Southgate uh, Amateur Radio uh, Organization, a good source of amateur radio news for those of you who care to check them out. Very good. And there's also another piece of important news in the ham radio world, and that is House Resolution 4969. In the House of Representatives, it's uh, being worked on by many groups, including the ARRL, because it is known as the Amateur Radio Parity Act of 2014. Parody or parity? Parity. Parity, <laughs> yes. No, no parity here because it's actually a rather important bill. Uh, it directs the Federal Communications Commission to amend regulations concerning the height and dimensions of station antenna structures to prohibit a private land use restriction from applying to amateur service communications if the restriction precludes such communications or does not constitute the minimum practicable, well, that's a weird word, practicable uh, restriction to such communications to accomplish the legitimate purpose of the private entity seeking to enforce such restrictions. So basically, if you want to read this bill, we will have the link to it in the show notes. The upshot is that the ARRL is trying to get this passed to prevent uh, CCRs and housing regulations and other codes of building, you know, conduct to prevent amateur radio operators to put up antennas, which prevent them from doing the things that are required in the amateur radio service. And apparently they're getting quite a bit of help with this. According to the article that I read, there were 17 sponsors of the bill when they started, and they're now up to 47. Wow. Not so bad. apparently this is going well. If you are at all political and involved in the political system and have access to, of course, everybody has access to their you know representatives. But if you are so inclined to contact your representative, you should definitely push that they get behind H.R. 4969. So that ludicrous, you know, CCRs and other housing regulations don't prevent amateur radio operators from these important emergency communications operations that they need to perform. And in this day and age, it's even more important because, you know, every corner that you turn, they're tearing down a beautiful building and putting up condos or housing developments. And all these new developments all have hellish CCRs, which I don't know why anyone, and Richard used to say this all the time, you know, I don't know why anyone would put up with this, because um, if you are a ham radio operator, you have to get really, really creative. I mean, I, I've heard of, of and, and there are ways to get creative, don't get me wrong, if you are um, in, in a place that has very strict CCRs, uh, there's lots of ways to put up an antenna without people even knowing that you have an antenna. But that being said, there's no substitute for height, so if you want to put up a tower and you can't, uh, you know, uh, having a nice high antenna in 
an emergency scenario is is just ideal. So um, in this day and age, there's just condos everywhere, and, and you can't do anything. So it's the same thing up here. The debate, even just in in um, in, in regular communities, you know, nice new neighborhoods and stuff. They don't want people paying up towers that are higher than. I think here we're allowed, if I'm not mistaken, 40 feet with an eight-foot pole, which would limit your tower to 48 feet, which is, you know, reasonable. Uh, but uh, a lot of uh, new developments will give you a really hard time, and people have to go to our national entity and, and to uh, uh, Radio Amateurs of Canada, and they have to fight it out, and it's just, it's really hellish. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. It is a shame. I think most housing regulations are ludicrous as they are, but this is actually preventing a public service from the ability to be performed, and it it really needs to be dealt with properly. I mean, I understand that well, people absolutely. don't like to look at you know gaudy, atrocious antennas, but unfortunately, that's kind of the nature of the beast. And you know, without getting too ridiculous, I think it it needs to be modified so that people can put up antennas where they need to be put up. Yeah, I agree. So that's our ham radio segment for this week, and uh, this is the Linux segment. Moving on quickly as we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry! Yes. Uh, so anyway, I had Faster. one. There, uh, I'm going to try and limit these to like one or two topics each time, just so we don't have a whole bunch of information that everyone's going to forget. I mean, we do have the show notes, which is helpful, but I think having one or two good solid nuggets of information is important. And I think they'll be. M- more rememberable that way, or memorable that way. Fashion segment, since you just said the word nugget, and it reminds me of cake. Well, we're probably going to have a recipe segment. We just need to get you. No, 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 no. Cake the band, you know, fashion nugget. I not do. Cake the cake. Yeah. Well, w- there's been talk of a recipe segment too, so we can talk about cake as well. <laughs> so, excellent. Uh, but there is one very important thing that has popped up in the Linux world lately, and that is the Shellshock vulnerability in Bash. Now, if you know anything about Linux, you know that the born-again shell is used on pretty much every system anywhere. And so the fact that there is a vulnerability in it has far-reaching repercussions, far-reaching even further than the Heartbleed worm, which is something that propped up, oh, what, three, four months ago, something like that. Uh, Shellshock is a vulnerability which allows attackers to insert arbitrary code into bash shell execution. Now, you may think, well, you have to have shell access in order for this to be a problem, but there are many ways to get shell access, and they can be exploited through things like Apache web servers that have CGI enabled. And Apache web servers, as many people know, are facing the public. They're out there on the internet. So if they're not secured and they are linked to a bash shell that has this vulnerability, your system can be compromised. It also affects DHCP clients, open SSH servers that have a specific capability called force command enabled, and any other network exposed services with bash on the back end, which is lots of them. So this is very bad. And it allows an attacker to ar- execute arbitrary code, which means anything at all. So compromising a, a system in this way can allow them to set it up as a bot, allow them to gain access to all of your important and perhaps sensitive files, or just wipe out your system entirely. So if you have a Linux system, you need to make sure that you're protected from this. 
everybody has released patches for it. So you just have to update to the latest version of Bash. There is a specific test you can execute in a Bash shell to determine if your system is vulnerable. The text of that script will be in the show notes. You can, of course, just look up Shellshock and Bash on Google and you'll find it uh, if you want to get to it before the, the show notes are posted here. There are many bug reports about this. Just Google for Shellshock. If you run a Linux system, whether for work or personally, you need to be aware of this if you aren't already and you need to patch your Bash shell immediately, pretty much. I thought that was very important. It was the, the biggest piece of news. And I didn't want to sort of sully that with any other Linux information on this particular episode. But just remember, if you use Linux, you use Bash, patch your system, do it now. Pause the show, go fix your Linux box, then come back and listen to the rest of the episode. I guess with um, Linux becoming more and more used, I guess, more popular, uh, we might be uh, more uh, vulnerable uh, to such bugs, you know. I never used to hear about them, and now you hear about them once in a while. Yeah, you do. I mean, there there have always been vulnerabilities. They're just few and far between. But the problem with the vulnerabilities for Linux is when they are vulnerabilities, they are they're massive good ones. ones. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How does that happen? I mean, you know, the, the guy forget the biggest line in the in, in, while he was coding. It's like, well, just not worry about this. Yeah, there's a, later. there's I'm a comment. Go for cake. <laughs> yeah, cake, definitely. Let's just, <laughs> forget shell shock. Let's just eat cake. No. Yeah. <laughs> or listen to cake, one or the other. I don't know. It's just weird. Uh, there's a, a point in the chat room from Rick T who says that if you're building Bash from source, which, yes, there are those of you out here there who do that, you need to make sure you download the patches and rebuild your Bashes. If you're using a package manager, of oh, course, most yeah, people have point. already updated those those packages so you just need to do your app get update or your yum update or or what whatever uh but yes if you're building from source make sure you rebuild with the patch very important all right so moving on to the linux in the hand wait wait i have a little quick note here that i just found which i thought was really cool and i have to mention okay um Hamburg could be the next major city after Munich to ditch windows and microsoft products so i was not aware first of all that Munich did that but uh, Munich, uh, a little while ago, uh, made the move to uh, to Linux, and Hamburg could be next. So way to go, Germany. I'm a big fan. Well, Germany is the where they developed SUSE, of course, and they gained a lot of traction in the education community and then spilled over into governments. And so Germany has sort of a head start in switching over for Microsoft products. So that's very cool to hear. Yeah, yeah. So just wanted to mention that real quick for... Those of you who thought that the uh, last uh, story was a little too geeky. (laughs) (laughs) Geeky, maybe. Important, very. Important, yes. I do not uh, undermine the importantness. (laughs) Importantness, yes. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) Now we make up words. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's part of the new format, too. (laughs) All right, so moving into segment three, the Linux in the Hamshack segment, we're going to talk about a couple of logging applications. Um, I looked at the, you know, handy-dandy... Australian Linux site that contains like every ham radio for Linux package ever released. I know. Isn't that a cool site? It is a very cool site. In there, there were a couple of updates to some ham radio logging applications, very recent updates. The first one I saw was XHamLog, which is a GTK-based 
X Windows based logging application for Linux, native of course. So I went and checked it out. There is no packaging for it for the various operating systems. So if you want to check it out for yourself, you have to download and build it. It requires GTK. It also requires Ghost Script. So you want to make sure you have both of those things before you try and build it. When you do build it, you will get a GTK GTK based application. It's rather primitive looking and it's actually rather primitive in function, but it does work as a logger. So there you go. However, I did note a couple of problems with it. I will read the the little description here from the website. Uh, The website, by the way, is www.qsl.net slash 5b4az. That's 5 Bravo 4 Alpha Zulu. Uh, XHamLog is a GTK plus QSO logging application for ham radio. In its current form, it is not fully featured and has no user manual. These are both true. XHamLog has built-in CAT control for the Yaesu FT847 and 857 receivers. It can read QSO data like frequency, mode, strength, and enter the log record that information. It can log QSOs in a text file as well as in ADIF format. It can import log files produced by XPSK31 and XFHEL. Those are two applications also written by 5B4AZ. And it can also produce QSL cards in a printable PostScript file. Those are in A4 format, by the way, which is not American. So if you want letter format, you will have to um, resize or whatever. It's not American. It is not American. A4 is not used (laughs) in America. Well, it's not American. Then what is it? Is it Canadian or Dutch? Um, I'm not sure. I, I know it's used in a lot of European countries. I don't know how widespread A4 is, but it's okay. not U.S. letter. And I even forget the dimensions of A4. Someone in the chat room will, of course, pop up and say, it's this. <laughs> <laughs> eight, eight and a half by 11. Yeah, it's not eight and a half by 11. All right. Anyway, uh, version 0.9 of XAM Log was released on September 11, 2014. We are not going to go into a discussion of 9.11. Uh, it was written by Nicholas Kiriatsis, 5 Bravo 4 Alpha Zulu. I already gave you the URL, and here's what I will say about it. I downloaded it. I got it to build. It built fine. After trying to figure out how to install the xlog or xhamlog rc file that it was looking for, which, by the way, goes in xhamlog slash xhamlog rc relative to your home directory. Once you get that set up and working, the application will start. And you can't log anything. So it is completely broken. And um, I hope that Nicholas will uh, get to work on this. It's, it doesn't say it's beta or anything like that. It's 0.9, so it's not a full 1.0 release. But you would think it would actually work, at least partially. And it does not. Here is a, a little push, a shove in the direction of Nicholas saying, uh, you know, get it to work, do something with it. Because <laughs> I wasted like an hour trying to futz with it. On to logging applications that do work. Two days ago, on October 4th, two days ago as of the recording of this show, CQR log version 1.8.2 was released, and there's a whole mess of new features in CQR log.1.8.2. And I'm not going to. CQR re- log is awesome. It is awesome. It's simple and it works. I recommend it to everybody. And we, as a podcast, recommend it to everybody because it is awesome. It does everything. It is actively developed. And we even had Peter on the show. Therefore, it is awesome, and you should go get it. And I'm not saying it's awesome because Peter was on the show. It's really an awesome program. 
It and is. And Peter's an awesome guy. It is. And he is. Very true. Peter Hlocek, OK2, CQR, Oscar Kilo2, Charlie Quebec Romeo. Is and he the has author. a cool accent. Yes, he does. <laughs> do you remember what? It doesn't, it doesn't do contest, though. Harrison mentions it doesn't do contest, which is true. That's true. But if you're just looking for a regular logger, which every other logger on the planet seems to be for contest. So it's nice to have one that's just for regular folks. I mean, you could use it for contesting, but it's not designed yeah. for contesting. You can find it at www.cqrlog.com. Very easy to remember. And if you need a logger that's native to Linux, CQRlog is the one you should use without question. So go get it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm not gonna, Like I said, I'm not going to go through the... Uh, you can go to that cqrlog.com website and you can see all of the new stuff. I mean, this is, this is a, an upgrade from 1.8.1 to 1.8.2. This is a, a sub-point release and there's like more than a dozen updates to it. So that is active development, and you definitely should check it out. Uh, Rick T, or Richt, uh, who mentions that uh, A4 is U- European, and it's close to 8.5 by 11 for those who are interested. I knew it was close to 8.5 by 11, but I know it's not exactly, because I think it's actually measured in millimeters. So, of course, yeah, it's not no, going to be exact. If in, it is Libre, European. in LibreOffice... A4 is listed as 8.27 inches wide by 11.69 inches high. There you go. Right. So it's some it's some even number of millimeters, I'm sure, which, of course, roughly equivalent to U.S. letter, which means it will print What's on that? a U.S. letter piece of paper. It'll just be slightly different aspect. Obviously not enough to worry about. Yeah, no, I wouldn't worry about it exactly. Yep. Harrison says it's 21 centimeters by 29.7 centimeters. So why nice. why why they have to pick odd numbers in the metric system as well? I mean, what the hell is up with that? Yeah. That's not precise enough. Yeah, I know. Why can't it be like 20 centimeters by 30 centimeters? Why make it some weird-ass combination of numbers? Yeah. Just because they can. Just because they can, yep. All right, so that's that. Well, guess what? We're done with the first part of the show. We're into music already. Wow, things yeah. are moving along quick. It's awesome. Yeah. So uh, thanks, everybody, for coming back and listening to the show. It's really nice to see people in the chat room for the live show and uh, hanging out and talking. Yeah, it's very cool. And actually, here, what the hell? Let's, let's talk about who's in, who's in the chat room. Uh, I don't know how many of these people are actually there, but we have uh, Babylon Lurker, B. Finch, EI7IG, and I know John is not there because it's very late for him. He's over in the U.K., uh, we have Hard Olaf, who I know is not in there. He is one of the developers of Bedrock Linux, which is a topic we are going to revisit at some point because they are making great progress with that project. Uh, there's also Jay Lindsay, KD7JWC, Mintcast Rob, who is probably asleep right now, Rick T, Symbola, Harrison, Victor Echo 3, Whiskey Golf Hotel, Tim. All right, another Canadian, eh? Yeah. We also have WA0EIR, that's Ted, and uh, you and me. Excellent. Oh, and Cheryl. Cheryl just popped in. (laughs) (laughs) She wanted to be mentioned, so she just came into the chat room. (laughs) All right. No, Cheryl has been having problems with XChat tonight, so she's actually going to the website right now. Ah, I see. Well, anyway, thanks, everybody, for popping in. We're going to do some music, and uh, the music for tonight's episode is by a, I'm not sure if it's a group or a woman, but anyway, the name is Merva, M-I-R-V-A. The song is called This Is How We Stand. The album this comes from is uh, One, O-N-E. Uh, I found this on Jamendo, 
The track information will, of course, be in the show notes. She or they are Australian, and this is very new music. This album was released on September 23rd of 2014. So, and it's not going to like blow your doors out. It's not metal. That that should be uh, good news for everybody. All right, so ears anyway, won't bleed tonight. That's right, no bleeding ears tonight. So anyway, this is actually a really good track, and I hope you all enjoy it. This is this is how we stand by Merva. short too yeah too short actually i kind of wish that song was about a minute and a half longer it's very good i don't you don't you didn't like it i'm just kidding that was all right it's kind of put me to sleep oh i'm sorry about that but that being said i uh, did a little bit of uh searching on merva since we didn't know if it was a person or a band and uh, merva is a girl she's a uh, one woman uh she's an artist she's merva's she's one person <laughs> That being said, she's a Swedish-born singer-songwriter. Uh, her name is uh, Madeline Valen, 
and uh, she's actually uh, very popular in Australia, it seems. Uh, uh, the song One, the title uh, track from the album, was used uh, as the official song for Save the Children Australia's Mum Helping Mums campaign, which is pretty cool. And uh, she's uh, living in Sydney now. She's very active in uh, a lot of uh, peace organizations around the world. And uh, she's a, a goodwill ambassador for a global march for peace and unity. So good on you, Merva. I think that's very cool. She's very pretty, too. Very nice-looking woman. Well, I didn't get any of that information when I looked it up. I just found the music and thought it was enjoyable. So I'm glad we got all the, uh, the backstory on that because that's very cool. Yeah, well, the Middle Tennessee Music Association says that she's got total mastery over those pipes. I don't know what pipes they're talking about, but that could go a lot of ways. Most of them wrong. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Merva, this is how we stand. Um, I actually enjoyed the track a whole lot, even though it's not my sort of usual kind of music selection. But Yeah, no, it was pretty. It was very... Um, uh, on her website, uh, it says that she's a singer, songwriter, author, and spiritualist. So you can kind of hear the, you know, spiritual penchant in her music. Uh, there you go, throwing French into the whole thing. Penchant, then. Yeah, I know, penchant. I, I get it. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, here's the thing about uh, the next part of the show, and that would normally be announcements and feedback. We don't really have any announcements because we're sort of back from a long vacation. We're back. That's yeah. an announcement. Yeah, we're that's back. A, yes, we're back. Yay. Um, if you haven't figured that out by now, you probably didn't need to get this far to uh, be told again. Uh, we did have some feedback, but unfortunately, I just didn't have time to get around to it. We've got some voicemail. We had some things that I actually want to bring up, but I'm going to push that back to the next episode and I will make sure that everybody who sent feedback over the three month hiatus will be mentioned during that time. Some of the stuff is still plenty relevant. So it's, it, you know, not, not time sensitive in any way. So everybody so will feedback show. That's right. And all feedback all the time show. Well, it'll probably be a feedback show and an interview show because we do have one interview left oh. to do. Excellent. Cool. So that's probably going to be next time around. So we're going to skip that. So we'll move on to something that just popped up in the Etherpad, and that's Cheryl's Recipe Corner. See, I, I told thought you I, was... I didn't see that before. Like, <laughs> where did that come from? Gee, I that wonder where that awesome came from. too. <laughs> Russ kept telling me, no, you're going to do a recipe segment. I was like, no, I'm not. He's like, yes, you are. And Ben Sharam was like, yes, you are. I was like, all right. So obviously people want that. But actually, Russ and I um, went to Nashville two and a half weeks ago and we ate at a restaurant called the family wash and they had gorgonzola <laughs> cattle chip. Yeah. It's in an old really? laundromat. That that's the cool oh, part. Okay. Of this. That's good. But, um, that up. <laughs> one of the appetizers they had was gorgonzola kettle chips. And as we were eating them, I said, I can make these. So I, we came home, I made them and they, um, got eaten before I finished up the video. So this last weekend, we remade them and used feta in them. Oh. Russ did a video. Oh, my them. God. That must be so good. I love feta. It's like my favorite cheese. <laughs> well, you need to watch the video then because they are uh, pretty amazing. I'm going to go make some. Okay. You go there make you go. some. I'll uh, be the, back. It's on oh, YouTube. Um, <laughs> Yes, go to the website. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's on Cheryl's channel. We posted it over there. Uh, and you're drinking. Come on. You're drinking? Yeah. It better be iced tea. It's not iced tea. 
<laughs> well, it's a Long Island iced tea. Well, yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go out and check that out. Um, it's a fun recipe. It's really easy to make. It's inexpensive, and it's you know it takes almost no time at all. And it's way better than just dunking your hand in a bag of chips. So, and you're making it in a little tiny oven too, which is cool. So you don't have to fire up the amazing big oven. Oh, and we see the lovely Cheryl in there too. Yep, Cheryl <laughs> features prominently. It was her idea, so she gets the spotlight. Oh, thanks. Yeah, actually, a couple of weeks ago on Facebook, I asked my friends if anybody would be interested in cooking videos because I just finished up my second Wilton cake decorating class, and I had mentioned during the class about some shortcuts I had figured out, and everybody in the class, which one of the people that was in the class with me was a friend from high school. And she's like, yes, yes, I definitely want to see videos. So I thought, well, if they want to see cake videos, what about other stuff? So everybody was gangbusters about that on Facebook. So I said this would be my first video. Screwed up the first one. Russ said, no, we'll we'll do the second one together. And we did. Right. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, we actually have six segments. The fifth segment will be Cheryl's Recipe Corner. And there you go. There's... <laughs> The first installment. And like I said, the, the link to the video will, of course, be in the show notes, so you can check that out because uh, it's one of those YouTube videos, which is you, you don't want me to try and read it. But anyway, you can also check out Cheryl's channel just in general over on YouTube. Look up Miss Blue Cows, M-I-S-S-B-L-U-E-C-O-W-S, uh, and you will find it there. And it's true to form. It's a real cooking video because he's drinking. <laughs> That's right, just like the best of them. Julia Child, uh, the Galloping Gourmet, all of the ones who, you know, died of liver cancer. Yep, those are the ones. So, Yep, excellent. <laughs> all As right. you should. And Cheryl, you're up again. Everything tastes better when you're drinking. That's right. And it's kind of drinking food. It's, it's like a snack. It's like for game yeah, time totally. or, you know. It's good on a poker night to impress yes. your friends. Absolutely. Before you take all their money. <laughs> I'm going to have to play the, <laughs> one of our music selections will have to be the gambler's prayer. That's a great song. It's a Jonathan Colton song. It's, it is uh, creative commons and it's all about taking your friend's money. So, oh, cool. Yeah. I'd like to hear that. So we'll do that maybe next time. But right now, Cheryl has a very, very long list of people to mention who have joined us in one way or another here on the show. So, uh, settle in folks. Here we go. All right, I'm just going to apologize ahead of time for any name massacres that I do because there's some I know I'm not going to get right. But we will start out now with donations and subscriptions. And on the monthly list, we have Scott Pettigrew, Jeremy Hall, Bill Arcand, Steve Conklin, Bill Hyatt. Those are all monthly. And for yearly, we had Kyle Computers, Donald Glover, Mike Connolly, Daryl Owen, and Shane Ball. And then Brady Christensen gave us a donation. Now, before you move on, I just want to say that there were four other people who canceled donations to our show. Boo to you. Uh, and if you want to get mentioned on the show as being donators to the program, all you have to do is subscribe again, and we'll be happy to mention you. But uh, Maybe they just forgot because we were gone for so long. So no, I think they the probably... They probably did it just because they were wondering if we would ever do a show again. So I really, I do understand. I completely understand. But, um, you know, if you should decide that it's worthy of a donation again, since we're actually here doing another show, uh, we will by all means mention you because you guys are awesome. But we won't if you stop paying. That's right. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one of the perks. Bastards. It's one of the perks of giving us $2 a month. You actually get your name mentioned. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, there we go. So yes, thank you to all of our donations and, uh, donators. And we have lots more to go. So Cheryl, back to you. All right. Facebook was Marcus Lundblad, Cameron Conover, John Malone, Kevin Holian uh, Borgness. Holian uh, Borgness, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was nice. probably massacred horribly. <laughs> Peter Grace, <laughs> Ben Williams, Raymond Weiss-Chorky, Bane Caustic, Marcus Lundblad, um, Again, Marcus Lundblad got in there twice. Hey, congratulations to you, Marcus. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's okay. I, yeah, I miss that. Um, Taju Partak Ferreira, I'm guessing. Samantha Lee and Patty A. Rezica Jones. Okay. Google Plus was Brandon Beeler. Derek Hodson, Nestor Manuel Anton Garcia, Dan McIntyre, Netrunner Steam Guy, Jack Trace, Chuck Chaver, Chivers, um, Joaquim Are, Shane Ball, Graham Pearson, WC2FD, Tony Langer, Judy Letestack, and Edgar Davila, or Davila. And the Twitter list is huge. So, starting out with K-O-L-A-F underscore one. That may be K-0, not sure. P-Y-4-V-T-L, V-E-3-Q-J, Radio W-4-M-M-A, J-Trip, Clee-Wike-Wick-59, Rysanon-T-D, N-W-4-G, Radio Dude, Mike Law Media, Smiley JVC, John Wag, Tux Farmer, KE9WE, Ham Radio Vin, EA5OL, K6FCC, AB4WS underscore WX, K1AHB, Cody J. Huey, Zombie Riot, John M0HEM, uh, Emo Mog actually, excuse me. GS Pearson, Flying Pig Bakery, Peter sixty four, Joaquim Are, I'm probably masquerading that name. Um, AB nine GN, DO one SIL, E, uh, Parse K four EX, Harry Tenmark. MI0LJM, Tweak Doc, Tayagi Babu, W8EEO1, Berka A. Jones, KD8ZEF, N1MXJ, Andrew Pounce, Mark underscore Rainer, Adiz or IDs underscore Arlen, MRTREV, uh, Synth Co. 7, Old Grumpy 2000, uh, Wubik, and MW0UAA. Again, sorry for any uh, maskers. Hey, Pete, you're like... making a lot of noise over there. 
Now you should be muted. Sorry. <laughs> I thought I was. My God. I was calling you guys assholes. I apologize, guys. That's all right. And to the mailing list, we had Dieter Van Steenwegen, uh OE1RSA, and WE8IT. To YouTube, we had N2HTT, VE3VSA, Lord Drakenblut, Santiago Vila, Anders Olsen, GN4179, Irving Johnson III, Jared Simpson, DJ Boo 557, and me, because I kept forgetting to subscribe to the channel. Yay. Hey. Uh, we didn't have any merch sales, so that is finally through that gigantic-ass list of people. But thanks to everyone who subscribed, liked us on Facebook, signed up on Twitter, the mailing list, joined our YouTube channel, or donated. You know, yeah, just thanks, guys. That's awesome. Became a part of the show in some way. Other than just, you know, being a listener, which is okay, too. We love listeners. We need listeners. That's right. <laughs> listeners are why we do this whole thing. And with that, we have come to the end of Linux in the Hamshack number 133. So thanks, everybody, for tuning good in time. again. It's good to be back. We will be doing our show, as we have always done, every other week uh, for the foreseeable future. We will, of course, be recording on Monday nights now at yes, 8 o'clock p.m. So don't look for us Tuesdays. Monday actually works better, I find, because uh, Monday is just one of those blah nights when there's not, you know, you know, after the weekend, everybody's kind of got the Monday blues at work. Nobody really wants to do anything. So it's a great night to kind of hunker down and uh, listen to some podcasts or, you know, live or deferred. Yep, absolutely. I think it'll Except work out for better. Cheryl, who completely forgot about tonight. That's okay. Well, that's because we haven't been around for a couple of months, and that's kind of normal. I almost forgot, too. <laughs> the bad thing is, Russ said something to me about this, I believe, yesterday, about don't forget about tomorrow. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, that's we'll all right. be back into the swing of it soon enough. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm going to like turn up the little volume here on the outro so we can uh, do the outro thing and I guess we'll see you all in uh, a couple of weeks. I, I think uh, I've been messing with the outro, so I'm going to go ahead and do it this week because uh, it's probably screwed. <laughs> uh, and then it will be professional and everything next time around. So here we go, I think. Anyway, this is Linux in the Ham Shack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. This has been episode number 133. Please check out our website, www.lhspodcast.info. All of the information you really ever needed to know about the show is on there, including our IRC channel, links to the streaming live show, how you can sign up for the various things, including Twitter and all that kind of stuff, and how you can donate to the program. We appreciate each and every one of you. You can also become an ambassador. You can uh, represent Linux in the Ham Shack at one of your favorite local events, whether it be Linux or ham radio based. We'd love to have you there. If you want to send us a voicemail, you can do that at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. Our email address is info at lhspodcast.info. Subscribe to the mailing list, and the link to that, as I've already said, is on the website. 
If you want to buy some show merchandise and help us out that way, you can do it at cafepress.com slash lhspodcast or printfection.com slash lhspodcast. There's also a sponsored ads link on the right-hand side of the website. If you click on that, we get a few cents here and there, and all you have to do is click on the link. No out-of-pocket expense whatsoever. So do it if you get a chance to visit lhspodcast.info. We will be recording every other Monday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, Central in the U.S. That'd be Tuesday morning, 0200 Zulu time. Our recording schedule and countdown timer is, as you might have guessed, on the website. So thanks everybody who's listening now, who will listen in the future, and who has listened in the past. We really appreciate each and every one of you. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks for episode number 134 of Linux in the Ham Shack. So for Pete... Pete? Good night. Good night. <laughs> and Cheryl? Good night. This is Russ, K5TUX. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Have a great one, everybody. Badger. Bad, bad. <laughs> All right, I'll fix the end later. Yeah, that's easy to fix. Yeah, I can fix that later. Because I was going to do the Adam Curry thing at the end, and then I screwed up. <laughs> Maybe that's why he thinks the podcast actually sucks. Cause, Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but let's not worry about that. Yeah. I haven't listened to their podcast in forever. Yeah, nor have I. Don't have time. Or inclination. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You're too busy bowling. Yeah, well, there's that, too. Yeah, I saw your new balls. Yeah, I've got I've got three big new balls. <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome. I've never had my own balls. The, uh, That's what your problem is. Balls, I guess.